Now, if you're new with us, we are in part four of our soul care series. And in this series, we're learning how to care for the deepest parts of who we are. And that's something that Jesus called our souls. And so we've got a big question that we're asking each week in this series. And the question is, how is your soul doing? Not how are you doing emotionally, not how are your relationships doing, but how are you doing at the deepest parts of who you are? And as you process that and think, like, hey, that's a hard question. I'm not really sure how to answer that question. You're not alone. There are a lot of us that don't know how to answer that question. There are a lot of us that don't know how to even define the word soul. So we've been using a definition throughout this series so far for the word soul. And the definition is this. We're talking about our personality, our emotions, our thoughts, our desires, our heart, kind of the core of our being as human beings. And then in two weeks, we're actually going to look at a slightly different definition that Jesus used for the word soul. But that's the definition that we're using for the most part of this series. And as we've been exploring over the past few weeks together, we've looked at weary souls and anxious souls and distracted souls. And today we're going to talk about the super fun soul condition of angry souls. So anybody know somebody that has an anger issue? You might know somebody, don't point at, don't look at them. You know, I, I see a couple up here looking at each other. Uh, so don't look at anybody or point at anybody. Uh, but if you know somebody who's got an anger issue, then you know somebody we're, we're gonna be talking about today. And it seems like anger is a major problem in our world today. People are angry about everything. We are angry about politics. We're angry about social injustice. We're angry about the direction of our nation. We're angry about COVID-19. We're angry about people's responses to COVID-19. Some people are angry about schools, churches, and businesses being shut down. Other people are angry that more schools, more businesses, more churches aren't shut down. Some people are angry about being forced to wear masks everywhere. Other people are angry that more people aren't wearing masks everywhere. People are angry about waiting to get the COVID vaccine. Other people are angry that we're being pressured to get the vaccine. We are angry about so many things and our anger is causing us to do some crazy things. It's causing some people to spew hatred on anyone who disagrees with them. It's causing other people to tear down statues of historic figures who didn't live up to their standards today. It's causing a new culture to run through our nation called the cancel culture. And if you do not support that culture and what they believe, they will cancel you and who you are and, and any attempts that you have to disagree with them. It's causing some people to think that violence is an acceptable form of protest, causing other people to turn protests into riots. Those crazy reactions are damaging our souls. The nation of our soul is, has been damaged by anger. And individually, our souls have been damaged by anger. On a personal note, is it okay if I get personal with you? Great, thank you. Um, I've been doing that throughout this series, and uh, I've wanted to kind of reveal to you like the condition of my soul. So on a personal note, uh, anger has damaged my soul for a lot of years. This may surprise you, may not surprise you, but I have some anger issues. I'm the person that I was thinking of when I raised my hand, of somebody that's got anger issues. 
And when I get angry, I don't yell, I don't scream, I don't throw things, I don't punch walls. I'm a pastor, so my anger is way more spiritual than that, okay? <laughs> so I'll give you an example of what my anger looks like. I'll give you an example of home. So when I'm at home, specifically, I'll talk about my relationship with my wife. When my wife and I have what I like to call passionate conversations, anybody have those called fights? Yeah. So when my wife and I get into those passionate conversations, there are moments that she doesn't see things the way that I see things, which is surprising. I don't know why that happens, but there are moments we disagree. There are moments that we will butt heads. There are moments that maybe we'll say some things to each other that are a little hurtful. So my immediate response to that is to get sarcastic and have sharp remarks. And those sharp remarks are hurtful. And if I analyze our dynamic, our, our fight in that moment, if I analyze it's not going to go the way I think it should go, then my next strategy is to shut down. So I shut down emotionally and I withdraw from my wife. I don't want to be around her. I don't want to talk to her. And uh, I have found in our 27 years of marriage that I have the spiritual gift of pouting and punishment. So I'll pout and then I'll punish my wife with silence. And when we first got married, I could do that for several days. And uh, now uh, I'm down to sometimes several hours. And yet I hate the fact that I do it at all. Anger has damaged my soul. And anger has damaged some of the most important relationships in my life. And I'm grieved over that. Anger has been damaging souls for a very long time. If you go back in history, look at uh, scripture, we find that Cain's anger caused him to kill his brother Abel. And then anger caused Esau to hate Jacob, his, his brother, for stealing their father's blessing. It caused Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. Uh, there's a sibling anger theme there that's going on. And maybe you're angry at your siblings today. But anger has been damaging souls for a very long time. And I think that's why God wrote through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 to a group of Christians in a city called Ephesus. And he talked specifically about anger. Listen to what Paul said in verse 17. He said, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. If you're not sure what a Gentile is, a Gentile is someone who is a, a, not a Jew. So if you're not Jewish in heritage, then you are a Gentile. And it's interesting that Paul wrote it this way because many of the people that he was writing to in Ephesus were Gentiles. So there were Gentile Christians in this church that he was writing to. And he says, don't live the way that you used to live. And he continues in verse 18 and says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. You look around the world today, you see there's a whole lot of that that's still going on. And Paul continued in verse 19, he said, they have no shame, no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Uh, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, 
truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Then listen to what Paul says in verse 26. He says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. There's some powerful truth in that entire passage that's there, but we're going to look at uh, those two verses, 26 and 27. In, In verse 26, Paul said, don't sin by letting anger control you. Paul didn't say, don't get angry. He didn't say don't get angry. Sometimes we think that anger is sin, but it isn't necessarily sin. Even Jesus dealt with anger. And uh, several of his disciples recorded some of those moments for us of Jesus dealing with anger. Matthew, one of his disciples recorded in Matthew 21, verse 12, he said, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Can you imagine being one of Jesus' disciples in that moment and watching Jesus do that? Like, I think we would all be in shock. Like, is this okay? Like, can he do that right now? Like, this is crazy. And then another one of Jesus' disciples, John, recorded in John chapter two that Jesus actually made a whip and whipped people to get them out of the temple in that moment. So that's not the wimpy Jesus that many of us make him out to be. In that moment, Jesus was vein-popping, whip-cracking, table-flipping, angry. He was angry that that these money changers were getting rich off of charging people way too much to, to buy a sacrifice. There were people that traveled many miles to come to sacrifice there in, in Jerusalem. And they were making a profit, major profit, off of that, that for people that couldn't bring their sacrifice with them. They were charging way too much. He was angry. They turned his temple into a marketplace instead of a place of prayer. Now, here's something interesting about Jesus' anger and the difference between our anger, most times in Jesus' anger. Jesus had righteous anger. Okay, Jesus was angry about people making it difficult for other people to connect with God the Father. He was very upset about that. And it caused him to do something productive with his anger in that moment. But when I think about my anger, I think about a lot of the anger that I see, like I think very few of us are afflicted with righteous anger. Very few of us. You think about the anger that you have had in your life or anger that you've seen around you. When was the last time you saw someone who had righteous anger? You know, maybe you've seen that a few times in your life. Like maybe I've experienced it a couple of times in my life, but I'd say most of my anger is unrighteous anger. It's not righteous. Here's what Jesus' anger tells me. In and of itself, anger isn't sin. Anger is an emotion created by God. It can be useful if we use it wisely. Anger can be productive or destructive. And again, depending on how we use it will determine what it ends up being in our lives. Again, Paul said in verse 26, don't sin by letting anger control you. Then Paul shows us how. 
to not let anger control us. He says in verse 26, as he continues, he says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, how many of you have ever gone to bed angry? Okay, so most of us should do this. Okay, so like lift every appendage that we have. I'll do that. So I've gone to bed angry more times than, than I care to, to admit. And any time we go to bed angry, whether it's righteous anger or unrighteous anger, it's called sin. Anytime we go to bed angry, we've allowed it to control us and it becomes a sin issue for us in that moment. So we have to deal with our anger quickly. That's the encouragement, I think, from God through Paul. Just deal with your anger. When you, when you find out you're angry, deal with it quickly. Run to God. Talk to him immediately, immediately about that. We need to analyze, is this righteous anger or unrighteous anger? If it's righteous anger, do something productive with it. Don't just stay angry. Matthew 21 records that when Jesus was angry at the temple, he took time to heal people that were sick. So his anger turned into something very productive in that moment. So if you have righteous anger, do something productive with it. Don't just stay angry because it'll turn into a sin issue for you. If it's unrighteous anger that you're dealing with, ask God for help and for forgiveness. We need to do that quickly or we're gonna give Satan a foothold in our lives. Then we need to go and we need to talk to whoever we're angry with. If you're angry with somebody and usually there's somebody at the other end of our anger, we need to go talk with them. We need to reveal or resolve that as quickly as we possibly can. Otherwise, we're gonna give Satan a foothold. And the idea of giving Satan a foothold is the idea of giving Satan place to, to live in your life. So imagine this, uh, you, if you're a Christ follower, you're trying to, to live like Jesus and honor him with all of your life, and yet you decide to allow Satan to live in the extra bedroom of your home. And that might not feel like a big deal at first, you know, because sometimes it's cool to hang out with Satan. Sometimes you know, he gets us what we want in the moment. Sometimes uh, it's kind of fun to, to rebel a little bit and have him close by for those moments. But here's the thing about Satan. He's kind of like that mouse in the little kid's uh, book story. Um, if you give a mouse a cookie, you might know that story. If you give a mouse a cookie, what's he going to want? Milk. He's going to want a glass of milk. He's going to want something more. Satan's like that. If you give Satan a little foothold in your life, he's not going to be happy with a foothold. He wants more. He doesn't want just a room in your house. He wants all of your house. He wants all of your life. So he will demand more and more. And guess what? He will get more if we allow him to stay in our lives. In Matthew 5.22, Jesus actually calls unrighteous anger murder. That can sound like an extreme, but that's what Satan wants. Satan wants us to murder our relationships. He wants us to kill our relationship with God. He wants us to kill our relationship with other people. And the way we keep from allowing that to happen is to deal with our anger quickly. Paul says in verse 31 of Ephesians 4, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Can you imagine how different our world would be if we just applied that verse? 
Imagine how different our world would be if we were all just kind, if we were all forgiving, if we were all tenderhearted. For that to happen out there, it's got to happen in here. It's got to happen in my heart. It's got to happen in my soul. It's got to happen in your heart. It's got to happen in your life for that to happen. So we have got to deal with our anger quickly. We've got to be kind to people who are unkind to us. We have to be tenderhearted for people who are hard-headed and hard-hearted. We have to forgive people who accidentally and purposely hurt us. And that's where we all like take a big, hard swallow and go, that is hard. Like you're asking me to do something really challenging. But God's done that for us. Jesus has done all of those things for us and he asks us to do that in return for other people. And if we don't, we're gonna end up with more death, more emotional death, more relational death, more spiritual death. And we have enough death going on right now in the world. Here's an interesting thought that I am trying to apply in my life when it comes to my anger. Uh, It's this statement right here. The stuff or people that I get angry at can actually help me become more like Jesus. The stuff or people that I get angry at can actually be used by God to help me become more like Jesus. I don't know if that's a new thought for you, but that's, that's a new thought for most people. Most times when we're angry, we feel justified, like I'm gonna get revenge, I'm gonna get even, I'm gonna pay people back, I'm gonna um, prove my point, I'm gonna whatever. And I think God comes along and says, you know that stuff that really irritates you? It can actually be a good thing. If you run to me and say, God, I'm angry right now, I've got this anger issue, help me, I need your help in this moment. We can get help in that moment. And I'm learning For me, that when there's an anger issue in my life, that is a spot that God puts his finger on and says, you got some work to do, my son. Here's an area of work that you have in your life. And you can actually start thanking that other person for revealing areas that need to be addressed in your life. So here's a fun thing that you could do maybe tomorrow or maybe this afternoon if you get in an argument with your spouse or tomorrow you're at work and there's that irritating person that just, it just makes you angry. Just go up to them and say, thank you for being so irritating <laughs> because you're actually helping me become like Jesus. So you may not want to say that out loud, but you can think that in that moment and remind yourself, you know, that the stuff or the people that I get angry at can actually help me become like Jesus. We can actually turn that into a prayer. And when you find yourself in, in that angry moment, you can turn that into a prayer. God, I'm angry right now. Remind me that the stuff for people that I'm angry at can actually help me become more like Jesus. So here's what I think we should do. I think we should memorize this statement. I think it'd be great to memorize several verses out of Ephesians chapter four that we were looking at today and memorize this statement. So I've broken it up into several parts. There's four different parts here so we can kind of read it in a cadence together. So I want us to do this out loud together, okay? There's gonna be a whole lot of fun. All right, so on the count of three, we're gonna start reading. So just follow me along. Ready? One, two, three. So the stuff or people I get angry at can actually help me become more like Jesus. Good job, everybody. One more time, all right? Ready? We're gonna do it one, one more time. The stuff or people that I get angry at can actually help me become more like Jesus. I think that could be a great prayer 
for you to have on a regular basis anytime you sense that, that anger flaring up in your life. Again, turn to God, say, God, I need your help in this moment. While you're praying, while you're talking to God, what I encourage you to do in addition to that is identify your anger triggers. You've got something that triggers your anger. There's something that's, that's triggered it. And the reality is with anger is anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. We get angry because of. We get angry because we feel belittled. We get angry because somebody dismissed us. Somebody didn't respect us. Somebody didn't listen to, to the input that we had to give. We get angry because of something. So identify your triggers. What's your trigger? What's causing you to get angry in that moment? If you can identify the trigger, you can begin to deal with that specific trigger and how it turns to anger in your life. And then, as you're talking to God, ask him to help you to respond instead of react. We've got to respond like Jesus instead of reacting out of our flesh the way that we want to react in that moment. Here's the really cool deal. You don't have to react in anger. You don't have to. I don't have to. We can actually respond. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 uh, says that you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So if your sinful nature is, is wanting you to be angry and Satan's wanting to push that into a relational death, you don't have to give in to that. You can respond instead of reacting. Here's some additional homework for those of us who have anger issues to deal with. The first thing is evaluate whether you have an anger issue. Spend some time evaluating that. Um, if you're not sure, talk to somebody else. Ask somebody that you love and trust and, uh, and just be open and honest. And if they say you have an anger issue, don't get angry and don't react. Just listen to what they have to say and find out, like, what does your anger look like? Is it aggressive? Is it passive aggressive? Are you a powder? Are, are you a punisher? Do you withdraw? What do you do with your anger? So analyze, like study it just a little bit. Study your behavior, what you do with your anger. Are you allowing it to cause you to do crazy things? Are you killing relationships because of it? I, I encourage you to evaluate your anger. And then if you have an anger issue, get help. Get help, reach out. Like often we need help from somebody else. Uh, to deal with our anger issues. Talk to a friend, talk to a pastor, talk to a counselor, reach out to us and we'll get you connected with our counseling ministry uh, so we can get you connected with somebody who can help you deal with these things. We all need help with that. And I have some relationships, some friends that I talk with on a regular basis. I was in a conversation this past week with a good friend of mine talking about how I've been reacting instead of responding lately. So you need those kind of friendships in your life as well. So get help. Then I encourage you to, to get a, a resource. There's some great books out there on anger. And uh, here's one book that I recommend that you get. It's called Enemies of the Heart by Andy Stanley. And in this book, he deals with four emotions that many of us uh, deal with that damage our souls. One of those is anger. He talks about anger and the extent of it. And he talks about how to develop a game plan to address that anger in your life. So here's one great book resource that you can use. And then the last thing I'm going to tell you is the weirdest homework assignment I think I've ever given. And that is to watch the movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, anybody seen that movie? Okay, a handful. There's a whole lot more people that need to see that movie. Uh, it's about Mr. Rogers. 
And uh, if you're thinking, why would I ever see a movie about Mr. Rogers? That's what I felt when I sat down to watch it. And uh, it is not what you expect. It is a great dramatic movie, a little slow in parts. But if you deal with anger, if you know someone who deals with anger, uh, I think it gives a very practical picture of what it can look like for us to apply what Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter four. So um, rent that and watch it. I think you'll benefit from it. In just a moment, we're going to celebrate communion together. And uh, before uh, we do that, and I explain how we do that here, uh, I want to say to those of you who are watching online, uh, you may not have been prepared for communion today. So I encourage you to run to your kitchen, get some communion elements for you, for anybody else that might be with you. Uh, You can get some juice, some water, some milk. You can get some bread or crackers. And uh, let me just say to, to you watching online and to you on campus, uh, there are some that feel like, you know, if I'm not at church or if I'm not under a pastor supervision or if I'm not taking the elements that I find at church, then like it's not okay for me to celebrate communion personally. And I don't find that in scripture. So I think it's very okay to celebrate communion on your own. I think it's okay to celebrate with your family. I think it's okay to celebrate with your small group. And I think it's okay to celebrate it in a church context. So Again, if you're not comfortable with that, I get that. Um, But if you are comfortable with that and if you're at home, get your communion elements ready. For those of you who are here on campus, um, we believe that communion should be open to anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if you've done that, if you do that today, if you've done that before, we invite you to celebrate communion with us. We actually have four stations, two up front, two in the back. In just a moment, I'll read a passage of scripture out of uh, 1 Corinthians, and then you'll be free to get up and move to, to one of these stations and pick up the communion elements. And as you pick up the elements, you're going to find in our baskets here, we have these wonderful COVID cups. So um, if you've been coming, you understand those. If you're brand new to us, you don't. And you got to know they're a little tricky, okay? So uh, the cups actually have the wafer and the juice contained in one container. And there are two lids that you need to deal with in the dark, okay? So the first lid is this thin, uh, real thin lid that you need to pull off. That will, will reveal the wafer. Then there's a thicker purple lid that will reveal the juice. So... I encourage you, um, while you pick up your elements, you can sit back down if you want while our worship team is playing. You can stand off to a side and have a, a moment of prayer. And uh, you know, after you have a moment of anger because you, you're struggling to get this off, you know, it's okay, we're talking about anger today, so talk to God about it and ask for forgiveness. And then you can celebrate communion in the context of this song. And what I encourage you to do is talk to God about any anger that you might have in your life. If you've got anger in your life, confess that. And commit to doing one thing today, one thing that we've talked about today. Just pick one thing and and work on applying that this week to address your angry soul. If you don't deal with anger, pray for someone who does. I'm sure you know someone who does. If you don't know somebody, pray for me as I deal with my anger issues. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says, on the night... When he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. 
Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you this morning for the emotion of anger. That, that can be a, a weird thing to even say. It sounds weird coming out of my mouth, Lord, but it is an emotion that you gave us, Lord, and it's an emotion that can be productive in our lives or it can be destructive. And Jesus, you modeled for us what it can look like for it to be productive. And you turned that moment of anger into a moment of serving people and, and actually helping people be healed and connect in their relationship with you. And we should do that in those moments where we have righteous anger. But God, uh, I just admit today for myself, and I, I think I speak on behalf of most of us, that most of us, are, most of us have unrighteous anger. We're angry because something didn't go our way. We're angry because somebody didn't hear us or didn't respect us enough. And Lord, this morning we're reminded that the stuff or the people that we get angry at can actually help us become like Jesus. So Lord, I pray for us that every time we sense that emotion of anger welling up in us, we'll start identifying our triggers and we'll do that quickly. We'll run to you quickly. We'll run to whoever may be on the other end of our anger quickly to resolve that because God, we don't wanna give Satan any more footholds in our lives. He's had too many footholds. He's created too much damage and we've allowed that. So Lord, we need to get help from you to get him out of our lives and for us to respond instead of react. So Lord, we know there's a battle that rages in us over this anger. I pray that you would help us through that battle. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You are now free to get up and come and celebrate communion.